0: A Texas International Airlines flight is trying to find its way to Texarkana, but they never get there. What caused this flight to deviate into a mountain? Welcome back to the Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
1: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Oh, hey. Hello. Oh, hi. What's that? It's been a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, kind of.
1: I mean, we recorded last week, but yeah, yeah. Like we're behind. Yes. So we'll it record happens. two episodes today.
0: Yes. Short. Yeah, both of these had really short reports, so it kind of works out because we're doing two shortish episodes today. Also, oh, oh, fair warning: I did these notes like a week ago. Do I remember them? Hope <laughs> oh. you might once we get into this.
1: I'm, I hope so. Wonderful. That being said, do we have we have new patrons?
0: Yes, we don't. have a new patron. I know we have at least one.
1: Hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Thanks to Lexi. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks. Lexi. For being a patron. Woohoo! That's appreciated. Uh that being said, if you sent in some recommendations, I'm sorry. I get to them when <laughs> I get to them. There's days where I get really motivated and I do a bunch of them all at once when you yep. send an email with 16 cough, cough, JJ. <laughs>
0: to be fair.
1: And if I've been doing a lot of stuff before that, it's really hard for me to like stay up and get them done. Executive function is hard.
0: It is. To be fair, we have been mostly caught up on that recently. However, We're also
1: scheduled. Not no more. There's <laughs> However, like three people that emailed us. Jesus, we are, JJ. We
0: are starting to get a lot of recommendations lately. We
1: said that we were a year out. Now we're more than a year out. And then people keep sending them in. And I'm like, that's great. Keep doing that. But also...
0: Ah! This isn't a bad thing except that...
1: Why are there four in the,
2: a row with all the same cause?
0: That must have been what the root of the searching was.
1: Um, Because, yes.
0: You know how people go down like Google they, they rabbit went, holes?
1: Or he, actually. He actually said his... Yeah, they're daughter. all by the same person. Yeah. He was like, "Um, speaking of this, because we covered one a few weeks ago, here's like 15, which is an exaggeration. It was more like six.
0: Yes, but Uh, still.
1: And and some of them we already had on our schedule before, so not not all of the ones, and some of them I couldn't find a report for. So they weren't all added. And I'm not done with that list either, because (laughs) there was more, and I was like, I don't have the function to do this right now. Nope. So. That being said, when you do submit, and thank you for reminding us also, please be patient because we get to it. Like sometimes Christy'll do it, but usually it's me. And I get to it when I get to it.
0: Everything so. happens in time. Just we, know that we, we are we appreciate them. And there are a lot. Yes. And we are getting to them. There's it is wonderful that we are beyond a year. It just blows my mind that there are that many recommendations on our list. But yeah, we're and now,
1: people like us. We're into yeah. March of next year. Wow. Of 2025. Wow. And it'll be more than longer than that after I put all the other stuff that people just sent
0: in. <laughs> we are. That means we're <laughs> over a year and like four months in basically with all everything we've got probably. Yes. Yeah. That's so, wild.
1: We also have gotten a rise in. Influx. Influx. There we go. That's a good word. That is a good Influx word. of stories. Yes. Yes. By the same also wonderful person. Yes, <laughs> um, we like to have variety when we do those episodes, so we need more people to send them in. Not that we won't do a full episode no. of one person. <laughs> We've it be done well. it,
0: but we would try to. We would like to try to mix in some other stories. That way, there's a lot more participation. There, are, I know there are a lot of you out there listening. Have I you know you have submitted stories.
1: crazy ex stories. Okay, well, that episode just aired today, like a couple hours ago. Okay, good. So give them a sec. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) But
0: maybe. (laughs) So if you haven't, go listen to these listener episodes, especially some of the recent ones. And you'll see, like, if you're not listening to them, first of all, they're fantastic. You really should. They are so good. They're so entertaining. They make us cry. They make us laugh. They make us very happy. They make us very sad.
2: Kaylin told me. Kaylin, C, not.
0: Yes, got it.
2: uh, The feminine one. Yes. Um. She told me that one time she was listening to a listener's episode on the way to work. She had to pull over because mm-hmm. she was sobbing. And yeah. She had to turn it off because she's like, I'm on my way to work. I can't do this right <laughs> yeah. now.
0: They so, really are good. And also you will find that uh, many of them these days are not aviation related. However, there are still some they're, that they're are
2: pretty good. And they're but funny. they're so good. It's kind of turned more into those like YouTubers that read stuff from
1: Reddit. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah.
0: I love interacting with you listen, guys and the things you send The us.
1: crazy X story gave me life.
0: <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but if you want to listen to that listener episode that has that crazy X story in it, it posted today, December third, when we're recording this. Yeah. So go check that out. It it was it was life. It gave me life.
0: Do it to it. It is fun.
1: So we're getting caught up on those we have another episode ready to go from that and then we have one in the process of being worked up so yep. we need a few more ep- or a few more stories for that so if you would like to have your story and submit it yep it's in the description of the most current listener episode but you can also just go to our website yeah and you'll find the link to fill out the form that is correct so, okay Waterfall. i think that, i think that's all the spiel spiel, the indeed, spiel for i mean this episode since we're you know recording later too so yep.
0: what are we covering today nick today we are covering texas international airlines flight 655
1: thank you to our listener gabriel for submitting this thanks this is one like we had to move stuff around yes and we were like
0: we moved some stuff around because there was a report we'll make that gabriel was there. really
1: happy and do one of his recommendations yes.
0: and this one was i mean it was intriguing and this is I think it's funny that Texas International Airlines, they were around for actually quite a while, and some people really liked them. There's kind of a cult following these days of like people who were like, do you remember Texas International? Okay, great. But they mostly flew smaller birds, which I thought was interesting. Like They had this really big, fancy name, Texas International Airlines, but you could hardly call them an international airline.
1: (laughs) They flew to Mexico, I take it?
0: Probably. That's
1: probably what the international was. Yes.
0: Eventually, you can imagine the, the cumulative effect of Texas International Airlines and a few other airlines existing out of Dallas, i.e. American Airlines, has made Dallas into such a big hub for international traffic now. But Texas International Airlines was hardly an international carrier. They were mostly just a busy, we'll call it mid- to short-range carrier in and out of Texas, mostly on DC-9s and what we're talking about today, which is a Convair 600. So this accident occurred on September 27th of 1973, which was a while ago, but not really. The Convair 600 was another variant on the very broad spectrum of their twin-engine, small, short-range aircraft that they made. They're, They're basically regional aircraft. This being, I don't really want to say, like, the most updated version of the Convair that Convair made because there was a lot of mods to them later to like the 580 version but the 600 was still one of the newer versions newest versions at the end of the Convair family of twin engine smallbird. from the 340 all the way up to the 580, 600 all those this one had the tail number November 94230 and this was a kind of like a milk run if you will, for passengers and cargo. Not a very busy route. But this was from Memphis to Griderfield, which is in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, to Goodwin Field, which is in El Dorado, Arkansas, to Texarkana, which is, yes, on the border. It is actually quite a large town these days. To Dallas.
2: Oh, I remember what happened now.
0: Which is Dallas-Lovefield these days. The captain for this flight was Ralph McDonald Crossman.
1: It's a very Texas name. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: He was 41 years old. At the time, he had 11,800 hours total, of which about 6,000 were on the conveyor, which is a lot, actually, for one type Res- of aircraft. Respectable. Yes. The first officer was William Fred Tumlinson. He was 37 years old. He had 7,106 hours total, which is a lot for a first officer, of which 4,500 were also on the conveyor, which is also very respectable like none of those numbers are small for either one of them especially on the type like that is that is a lot
1: how many people sorry
0: uh, on the aircraft yeah in total i'm getting there
1: oh (laughs) you didn't get there yet
0: nope not a lot
1: what what were you just talking about
0: (laughs) the hours oh the number
1: i i get distracted when i'm trying to do my (laughs) cross pitch and like listen at the same time and sometimes i miss things (laughs) i get it because i get I was I'm like focusing. Yeah. And then I'm like, wait, what the f did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Please continue.
0: It's okay. A lot of hours, a lot of hours on the type. Oh, wonderful. The aircraft and crew had flown the opposite routing prior to the planned return to Dallas from Memphis. So they had done that whole thing I just said in reverse from Dallas to Memphis. And now they're going from Memphis to Dallas, what? stopping in all these places along the way. The flight departed Memphis. At 6.42 p.m. local time, all this is in central time, and made the schedule stop in Pine Bluff without incident. The flight then departed Pine Bluff and continued on to El Dorado. 7.51 p.m. local time, the flight crew contacted the El Dorado Flight Service Station, or FSS, and requested an airport advisory. This is, I would say, this is kind of like an on-demand ATIS. Okay where there is a controller there, and they asked for all the information about the airport.
2: Hey, how would it be over there?
0: Right, weather, traffic, everything like that. The controller at El Dorado informed the flight of the winds, the altimeter, and the traffic. The controller also advised the flight that there was a flight crew that had just come from the opposite direction that could advise them of the expected weather en route to Texarkana, which is their next stop after El Dorado. So, in other words, there was another crew on another airplane that had just flown in from the opposite direction, flown on the route, flown the weather knows what's up and the controller on the ground said hey i've got the other crew here and they're willing to talk to you about the weather en route for your next stop your next leg
1: el dorado is a town in texas right arkansas oh it's in arkansas Our Kansas. Our Kansas. Our Kansas.
0: arkansas 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 arkansas
2: i'm so sorry to n- non-americans who have to listen to the way we pronounce <laughs> crap
1: why why Kansas but not Arkansas?
0: Why Kansaw, or why not Kansaw, <laughs> Kansaw? when you have Arkansas?
1: <laughs>
2: Kansaw. If you ever watch their YouTube videos of how do you pronounce this southern town? Nope, it's not the way you. No, think.
0: no. <laughs> Thankfully, these were all pretty easy ones.
1: Anything in Georgia?
2: Yeah, it's not. Oh, yeah, it's not Cairo, Georgia. Nope. It's spelled like Cairo. It ain't Cairo. Nope. I think it's Cairo.
0: Yeah, Cairo. <laughs> stupid. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Yep. Anyways. The flight crew of Flight 655, the one we're talking about, requested that said other flight crew meet them upon arrival to discuss a potential line of weather 50 nautical miles west of El Dorado in the direction that they were planning to go next. 7.53 p.m., the flight landed at El Dorado, which is only two minutes later, by the way. All of that conversation was like, hey, here's the weather, the altimeter, the traffic, and there's these people that will, are willing to talk with you. And they're like, yeah, let's do it, land.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do it, land.
0: <laughs> that was it. That happened pretty much that fast. The two crews met and discussed the weather, including using the onboard weather radar on the Convair to check the weather west of El Dorado in the direction of their continued route.
2: Hey, that's cool. They have that.
0: Yes, they have a weather radar. And they were sitting on the ground, and they just, like, flipped it on, and they were like, what's happening in the direction of the radar?
1: (laughs) And they went, Yeah. Not not so good, huh?
0: They did note that there was a 15-mile-wide gap in the weather about 35 nautical miles to the northwest of the airport.
1: Does this have a air disasters episode?
0: Not no. that I'm aware of. No.
1: Have we covered this before? No. This issue. Uh, yes. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, let me give it the. Let me put it this way. I won't state exactly, but you're gonna find out. I guarantee. Cause... By the time I'm done talking, which I don't have a whole lot of points left, you're going to know what happened. You are going to know what happened.
1: This I'm is the episode already having like some like. I'm pretty sure I have an idea.
0: I'm about to say all the stuff that's going to make you go, "What the?" F-? And it's also going to <laughs> give away pretty much everything very, very quickly.
2: This episode can be summarized in one sentence.
0: Awesome. Yes, it can, and it will be. But, okay. cool. But first, <laughs> let me get there. Eight whole passengers joined the crew for the next leg to Texarkana. As Again, as opposed
2: to eight partial passengers. Yes.
0: Again, <laughs> well. <laughs> that's me stating about how, you know, exaggeratedly. Not <laughs> very big. Just a
2: passenger's vague. leg. Yes. Or a passenger without a leg. Hey, so, I mean, human um, remains hey. do
0: travel and also like organs and things. They do go hey, on airplanes. So, you, not usually on a commercial aircraft. <laughs> yeah, Yes, they on do. A commercial aircraft. Actually, we transport them here and there every Human once in a while.
1: organs? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I thought those are usually flown by helicopter. There
0: are some that are, depending on how critical they are, but a lot of them actually just get packaged up in proper equipment that gets put on airplanes as cargo, and they can last for a few days. So it actually works out okay. There's
2: <laughs> a crazy. there's a story mm-hmm. from a flight attendant who was serving a passenger. Her husband was like passed out next to her, just sleeping. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I don't need anything, but if you could get my husband a blanket and a green tea, that would be great. Mm-hmm. And the flight attendant came back, And she's like, hey, your wife asked that I give you a blanket and a green tea prepared this way. Mm -hmm. And he's like, my wife's in the cargo hold. Mm -hmm. She's dead. Yeah. And that was her ghost. Yep. Like,
0: oh. Ghosty stories. In-flight ghosty stories.
2: Yeah. So, yes. Anyway. Human remains definitely travel on board.
0: Anyways. I don't know if that's the case on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, at least... (laughs) <laughs> eight whole passengers. Actual living passengers, passengers are on this airplane.
2: Actually, we can't even know if they're whole because, I mean, they could be physically disabled I in some way. That,
0: <laughs> Whatever the case. Okay, let me back up.
2: There are eight <laughs>
0: passengers <laughs> <laughs> traveling with the three crew on this airplane. The two flight crew and the one cabin crew. It is a small airplane. These conveyors are not large. There's only a handful of seats. Okay. As the flight taxied to runway 22 at El Dorado. The crew contacted the flight service station and stated that they were taxiing for takeoff and would be proceeding in visual flight rules to Texarkana.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They just looked at their weather radar and went, What the <laughs> f? It's horrible out there. We see some, like, g- okay. But, like, should you just not do that? That Isn't means that a they bad can, idea,
2: so by departing v f R they can deviate from their instrument flight plan that's usually using waypoints at this point in history and say, "I'm not going to that waypoint because of weather. I see that I'm gonna go this way,
0: right. It's allowing them to deviate from their flight plan because they fly at low altitude because it's a small airplane and rules <laughs> and rules not not great, not great, but I told you you would have some what the anyways, so.
1: Miranda's got feelings. I got got strong feelings. Yep. It's fine.
0: 8.15 p.m. The flight departed El Dorado, with the first officer as the pilot flying and the captain as the pilot monitoring. Which
1: is weird, this area of time. Not normal.
0: We'll talk about this later on, because pilot monitoring is a loose term. The crew did not activate the IFR flight plan that they had in their computer, and had chosen to fly VFR to fly around the weather line. After takeoff, the flight flew on a heading of 290 degrees and climbed about 1,500 feet. The flight continued to operate between 1,500 and 3,000 feet until about 8.49 p.m. and 47 seconds. About that. At that time, the aircraft began flying between 2,025 feet and 2,200 feet. Varying. The aircraft varied headings to the northwest until 8.46 p.m., at which time they made a left turn to the west, and at 8.51 p.m. and 45 seconds, the aircraft turned to a heading of 240 degrees. Their airspeed ranged between 228 knots and 160 knots. All of this is very vague, saying uh, they were, like, very, like, not, again, they're hand flying, basically, this whole thing. So they're varying in altitude, they're varying in heading, they're varying in speed generally heading to the northwest and then to the west. We'll talk about exactly where they are later on, but I actually leave a lot out here on oh, purpose. The flight did not contact any ground facilities after takeoff. They're on a VFR flight rolls, so they don't actually have to do anything, it turns out, as long as they're not in any major airspace, which they weren't. So they actually had the right. After flying for some time, the flight crew discussed the heading, to get to Texarkana from their current position, at 8.52 p.m. and 17 seconds, which is 37 minutes after takeoff, the first officer stated that, quote, and this, again, I'm about to give away everything, that, quote, minimum en route altitude here is 4,400, end quote. The first officer was abruptly cut off at that time because the aircraft impacted on the heavily wooded north slope of Black Fork Mountain. So they hit a mountain. Uh, yeah, which is in the, I, I'm going to butcher this so bad, Uachita Mountain Range, at an elevation of 2,025 feet, which is 600 feet below the top of the mountain range. The impact occurred, are you ready for this? In IMC conditions, in instrument meteorological conditions.
1: So, almost like they shouldn't have been flying VFR. Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Hmm. All 11 on board perished in the accident. Of course, the aircraft was completely destroyed because they smacked at speed into the side of the mountain.
1: Love that. Hate that. Hate that for them.
0: They literally didn't even see it.
1: No, because they were in (laughs) meteorological conditions.
0: Yes, and the first officer was literally in the middle of a sentence when... Saying,
2: maybe we should fly higher.
0: Because the minimum IFR allowable altitude in the area, what he was trying to say was 4,400 feet. And they, they were, were at,
1: down at 2,000.
0: They were down at 2,025 when they hit the mountain. Yeah.
1: Do I need yeah. an analysis?
0: <laughs> it it's it's obvious.
1: It's fairly obvious, yeah.
2: But let's
0: talk about it.
2: So this investigation was performed by the NTSB. Yep. Surprise. It's very short. Surprise! It's real short. (laughs) It is. Both black boxes were found in good condition with no exposure to fire, heat, or smoke. Which is
1: pretty nice.
0: Yeah, the airplane didn't explode when it hit the side of the mountain. It just broke up.
2: Investigators' analysis immediately dug into the operational control and conduct by the captain.
1: Because this was the time. The time before time.
0: Remember how I said that pilot monitoring was a loose term?
1: Yeah! What? Wait a minute! Hold on. So... What was he doing? Yeah. Um, Because, like, the first officer had to be the one to say, hey, we're probably too low. Which they should have known that because they should have been looking at the chart.
0: The first officer was trying to correct the captain on many occasions.
1: Let me just keep going.
0: I'm just, yeah, I'm going to let you go here and then we'll talk about whatever you don't get. I'll fill in the gaps. I
2: really don't have a lot.
0: I know. I'll fill in the gaps when you're done.
2: So the captain deviated from the approved dispatch release without notifying
0: dispatch. He just didn't activate the IFR flight plan
2: and then proceeded to fly three segments of the flight VFR instead of IFR as filed and dispatched. He flew VFR to get through a break in the line of storms shown on the aircraft radar, and therefore continuing flight into IMC conditions.
0: Yes, and therefore terrain.
2: He, upon discovering their inability to circumnavigate the northern end of the storms, the captain directed the first officer to fly west. That's so specific. They tried to keep track of their position, but their actions were intermittent and imprecise, and there was no evidence of them getting cross-bearing to establish their exact position. The CVR showed that in conversation, the captain seemed to know a general idea of their position, but not precisely. They were super focused on the weather, both out the window and on the radar. No one kept track of time flown or dead reckoning position and how it might put them in danger of terrain, terrain. The first officer expressed concern. About not knowing their position, and not knowing the terrain, not knowing the weather. He referred to an en route navigational chart and deduced that they were near the Page Vortex. and he was in the midst of warning the captain about the minimum altitude in the area when they struck a mountain. What do you know? Quote, the captain should have known he was in the jurisdictional area of Fort Worth ARTCC, Air Route Traffic Control Center, and that radar assistance was available. However, he did not attempt to establish radio contact either with the company or with air route traffic control, nor did he air file an IFR flight plan with the attendant radar services. The flight deviated about 100 nautical miles north of its course before it established a track first toward the west and then toward southwest towards Texarkana. At that time, the aircraft was flying in the Ochita mountain range in which some elevations exceed 2,600 feet. Minimum in route IFR altitudes in that area are 4,400 and 4,500 feet, end quote. That's all I have.
0: Okay. So um, to be even more specific, the first officer was following what the captain was telling him to do, even though he had his hands on the controls. So the first officer had his hands on the controls. They knew where they needed to go, but he kept following what the captain told him to do, and they ended up 100 nautical miles to the north of their intended course. Which is not a small number when you're not flying a very far distance. In the time that it took them to hit the mountain after takeoff was about the time it should have taken them to get to Texarcana.
1: So, here's here's my question. I have a lot of
0: questions. I'm sure I have you so do. Many questions. I also have more staggering things to say.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you do. First things first. Mm-hmm. I'm the realist. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't know why I said
0: that. You're funny.
1: That was dumb. Okay, so. First things first, right? Why are they not using a chart to figure out where the hell they're going? Like, it seems to me, Captain's like, fly this way. Right. Great. Give me headings. Give me points. Give me something to work with. Because it seems like they're just going, I'm flying an airplane.
0: It's funny you say that, because here's the staggering part. I mean, the, the first officer did have a chart and tried to figure this out at one point. But what he said on multiple occasions, including this one, which I will state verbatim, quote, I'll be, man, I wish I knew where we were so we'd have some idea of the general terrain around this place, end quote. Uh, That is exactly what the first officer said to the captain. Hmm. Hmm, we're lost. I'm not sure what's going on around us. It's also IMC conditions and also going on nine o'clock at night. Even though it's September, it's probably getting dark.
1: I'm, I'm pretty confused as to why they thought it was okay. Because they knew there was weather. Mm-hmm. Why they decided... I know we talked about like you can deviate when you do VFR, blah, blah, blah right? But yep. there's weather in the area. Yep. They knew that. Yep. But this is also Texas slash Arkansas
2: where um, weather this time of year doesn't really let up. Nope. During the afternoon slash nope. evening. Nope. So there's also no just waiting for the storm to pass.
0: Right.
1: Well, and I'm not saying they need to, but why are they doing VFR instead of using their instruments? Like,
0: correct, or working you, with the company to determine have, if there even is a path around this story.
1: Right, like you have the technology, <laughs> right? Like, right. I realize this is the 70s, but but we're
0: not in the dark here. Like, <laughs> you
1: have a radar
0: on board,
1: <laughs> right? I, I mean, I don't know. For lack of a better term, it very much seemed like the captain wanted
2: to lone ranger this. Pretty much.
1: That's
0: exactly
2: That's the the thought. Pretty much exactly
0: what happened.
1: Like, Which is
2: apt for the area. Uh,
1: uh,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, uh.
2: Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep. Please continue. When
0: you're in a twin-engine, small, propeller-driven airplane with not very many people or stuff, and it's not very big, and you choose to fly VFR, it definitely feels like you can just do whatever. And I kind of feel like that's how the captain felt. But you have to realize, you're also on the job working for an airline, and you have passengers, and yes, cargo, and okay. yourselves, that you need to get places safely. Now... Obviously, this crew had a lot of hours, which makes me think this is definitely not how they always conduct themselves. Right. But that's how they were conducting themselves in this instance. And one has to wonder why all of a sudden they deviated and put themselves in a dangerous situation.
2: Though the term I don't think was developed at the time, I think continuation bias is a huge factor in this.
0: Most definitely.
2: The get there-itis. Yeah.
0: Because there was another crew that had just flown through the storm.
2: And did it successfully.
0: They probably felt like they could do it themselves. And he just thought, oh, well we'll be better off if we just do this literally on our own without the flight plan. We'll just we'll just figure it out.
1: Well, and to be fair, not to say you can't right. fly through the storm. Like that's what not what I'm saying, but like be smart about it. Right. right, but they
0: didn't do the right thing in doing so.
1: Right. And I feel bad for the first officer because at this point
0: he tried. It, it definitely like the the number of times that they bring it up in the story that I didn't, where it was like the first officer was definitely Stating things like, Like, I wish I knew where we were. Yeah. (laughs) Poignantly trying to get the captain to be like, where are we?
1: Especially (laughs) since he's the one flying the aircraft. Right.
0: He's following the captain's orders. However, he's also saying to the captain quite.
2: Emphatically. Very emphatically
0: and very pointedly like, where are we? I wish I knew where I was. I wish I knew what the terrain was like around here. And then.
1: They hit a mountain.
0: CRM still broken down. That doesn't make the first officer right by any means because the first officer still could have done something to make their situation well, better.
1: At this point, CRM was kind of a...
0: Yes. It was not implemented. It, it was
1: not an implemented right. thing Especially
0: yet. at this level when you're talking so about... So he was doing words. his job
1: the ba- based on how he knew how to do his job. Correct. Which sucks because... I don't disagree with that. It's like he had the ability I feel like to fix the situation from yep. the get-go. And because we weren't at that moment in time yet, he didn't have the resources to do that. Right. And to be fair, the captain was not doing monitoring things. No. And I don't know how that works, because normally when we talk about these aircraft, the captain's the one flying, right?
2: They also right. don't deviate from their flight plan normally.
1: Right. Right. And we've all, we've covered things that when that happens, things go bad. Yep. Right? Like you sea fit into a mountain.
0: (laughs) Right. Right? Yep.
1: More than once have we covered that. Yep. So it's just interesting. I feel bad because he was trying to do his job the best way he knew how. Right. And And it still didn't turn out well.
0: In this moment, it was bad decision making. That doesn't mean they didn't always make bad decisions because they both had a lot of hours and they were both pretty successful pilots, obviously. But in this moment, it was very bad decision making. And that's that. Yeah. So.
1: So we'll take a break here. Yep. Come back. That with was th- fast.
0: Yep. And <laughs> we'll come back with all the normal stuff, which will also go pretty quickly.
1: Okay, we're back. I was okay. going to ask about before we went to break and I forgot. It's okay. That the EGPWS. Nope. Nope. Or the GPWS. Nope. I didn't remember when it came about.
0: Uh, it's not even so much about when it came about, but the conveyors never had it.
1: Because they were too small? There,
0: there, there were probably some conveyors that eventually were retrofitted with these, with EGPWS, or at least GPWS. This one, because, I mean, eventually there's, there's different versions of, uh, like, GPS that came with GPWS. Basic Garmin and stuff that you could install on these airplanes, and any airplane, literally any airplane, that could give you ground proximity warning systems.
2: Ground proximity warning <coughs> systems were not required. Hold on.
0: It doesn't surprise me in the slightest, though, because this this is the okay. 70s, and we're talking about a small, small airliner.
2: Yeah, but this would have The first recommendation helped. Yes. for installation was in 1974. We all know how quickly so the FAA
0: moves. Right, that was a year later. Um, and I, also for larger aircraft.
2: Yep, <laughs> for all large turbine and turbojet airplanes. All
0: right, this is not that.
2: The ICAO recommended the installation in
1: 1979, so... Yep. So, no. Would have been helpful.
0: Yes. Eventually, yes. <laughs> Modern like, airplanes, absolutely.
1: I real I realized that it wasn't... We would have talked about it if it yeah, had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering when... Because I know we covered the Colorado flight. Yes. Where that was a huge issue, like they would have would have benefited because they would have figured out where the ground was.
0: <laughs> Most definitely. Absolutely. And but, it's not that it wouldn't have benefited them here because absolutely it would have.
1: Yeah, because it would have been like, yo, there's a mountain there. Um, Just right. so you're aware, You might want to, you know, pull up a little bit.
0: Right. hmm Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all that aside, they didn't have it. Moot point.
1: Moot point. Okay.
0: So, yes. These days, yes. Absolutely. That's a whole thing that's fixed. But let's get into the findings. This is not going to take very long. There's not a lot of them they're pretty succinct skipping the first couple because we know what those are they found that there was no in flight failure or malfunction of the structure power plants systems or other aircraft components I
2: thought we were skipping that
0: I mentioned this one specifically because of the fact that like you're wondering if there's technology on board right that could have helped them with this and they're saying well everything was functioning and no there's no systems on board that could have helped so everything was fine it was truly. Pilot error. They found that post-mortem examinations of the crew revealed no evidence of a physiological condition that would have affected their performance.
2: They were not incapacitated.
0: No. So there was no reason for, there was no specific reason for the bad decision making. It was literally just an in the moment. It was just a bad decision. Yeah. That's it. Simple as that. They found that the crew possessed both current and forecast weather information before they departed El Dorado. They had all the weather information they needed before they took off.
1: Okay. El Dorado.
0: They found that the captain did not inform the dispatcher of his intentions to deviate from the flight plan, nor coordinate the deviations with them. They found that the dispatcher did not monitor the conduct of the flight, which is a whole nother discussion. Yeah. The dispatcher gave them all the information, said, this is what you're doing. And then didn't monitor how the flight actually progressed, Progressed, be it that this dispatcher had the information provided to them at location, didn't follow up with the aircraft when they were in El Dorado and say like, hey, how are things going? What's your thoughts on what's next? No, just letting it happen. They found that flight 655 deviated about 100 nautical miles north of the direct course to its destination, which is quite the deviation when you're not going very far. Yeah. These two towns are like 100 miles apart. The fact that they went 100 miles off course to go 100 miles, (laughs) that's pretty wild to me.
2: The math ain't mathin'. The
0: math ain't mathin'. They were trying too hard to go around a storm that they probably had a better route through or just shouldn't have even tried if they were really that worried about it. They found that flight 655 was operated VFR into instrument meteorological conditions without an IFR clearance. Obviously that's the really that's the biggest mistake and bad decision. They found that the crew members did not use all available navigational equipment and aids to determine their position and select a safe flight altitude. So again,
2: they had tools at their disposal.
0: Right, and this is why this this specific point is why I say While we feel bad for the first officer, you also have to understand the first officer also had the means to prevent this. So the first officer still has some fault in this, because the first officer had the charts, had the equipment on board to be able to navigate safely, know where they were, and get themselves out of the dangerous situation. And while I understand following the captain, you still had everything there.
1: Yeah, but given the time period and how Mm -hmm. everything was back then, Mm -hmm. I would say... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt And the fact that he's hand-flying the damn thing. Right. Like, yes. I would say that he did the best he could with what he had. Did he have everything that he he could have done that? Yes. But first right. of all, he's not usually the pilot flying. flying.
0: Right. right.
1: Second of all, but- he's also trying to figure out where they are and how to do all this stuff yes. while he's hand-flying the airplane. Agreed. I don't know. I feel like... Agreed. And Captain Word was law, right? He was just doing what the captain told him. Like... Right. And they're literally flying by the seat
2: of their pants.
0: Yes, like, agreed. A,
2: a lot of this kind of flight planning for VFR like this, you do
1: ahead of time. Right. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Which is why they were so lost to begin with. Agreed. I mean, I get what you're saying. Yes. But in that moment in the cockpit, would right. he have like been like, yeah, I can do this on my own? No, mm-hmm. he was probably mm-hmm. in his pants. Yeah, yeah, probably. And being like, I don't know the pam, f- I am. I don't know where we're going. I don't. He just realized the minimum altitude when they crashed. Yeah. Right, so I wouldn't, I don't, though I understand why you want to put some blame on the first officer, a lot of it's on the captain.
0: Of course a lot of it's on the captain, but the first officer is the one with his hands on the controls. End of story, piloting 101, you fly the airplane.
1: And he was, he was trying.
0: <laughs> yes, if the but that includes. In the
1: monitoring seat, was doing monitoring stuff.
0: Agreed, but that still includes navigating. Navigating is up to you as the pilot flying. So, Which navigation can was, be monitored by the pilot monitoring, but it should not be conducted. By the pilot monitor. Well,
1: I was I was confused why he was flying to begin with.
2: Well, I bet you they're not familiar with the area a hundred miles north of
1: their intended flight path. No,
0: exactly. And that's the whole thing. That's why they shouldn't have navigated that far off path.
1: <laughs> I don't think that was on purpose. Like I said. Like we said.
0: I mean, yeah. They found that the captain, without adequate knowledge of the terrain, directed the flight to descend to an altitude which was below terrain elevation. They found that there was no evidence that the captain was concerned about his position or track over the ground. Clearly. Clearly. They found that the accident occurred while the aircraft was flying straight and level under crew's power. The crew was not aware of the impending impact with the terrain. Again, that's where the GPWS would have been really helpful, of course. Yes. But yes, of course, the captain was the primary at fault.
1: He, he dropped the ball. Yes. What was he... I'm honestly curious. What was he doing?
0: Pretty much just saying, hey, go this way. Hey, go that way. Mm, Go this way.
1: Looking out the window, trying to find a gap
2: in the storms. Looking at the weather radar, trying to find a gap in the storms. Right.
0: Climb a little. Descend a little.
2: Oh, go that way. Oh, go that way.
0: Pretty much. That's pretty much it. That's it for the findings.
2: The probable cause. The National Transportation Safety Board determines that the probable cause of the accident was the captain's attempt to operate the flight under visual flight rules in night instrument meteorological conditions without using all the navigational aids and information available to him and his deviation from the pre-planned route without adequate position information. The carrier did not monitor and control adequately the actions of the flight crew or the progress of the flight.
0: I think it's interesting that they included that last sentence in there.
2: I think dispatch at this point in history had a lot more responsibility for that kind of stuff than than now.
0: Most definitely. Well, dispatch still has a lot of responsibility for it. I'm going to be wrong, but now there's so many systems and automations that allow that job to be carried out.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: Pretty, pretty, truly pretty automated. But yes, they had a lot of responsibility back then for a lot of manual processes. And to that end... It is interesting that they brought that up for the company being responsible in some way for not monitoring the progress of this aircraft in this flight. They literally didn't have a clue where the airplane was at any point in time. They knew what it was supposed to be doing, but they didn't know where it was. They didn't know that they had deviated. They didn't know what the plan was. Things that could have been avoided. But they put the primary fault, of course, on the captain. Pilot error. The... Recommendation. The one. And this reads interesting, because it's not much of a recommendation. So, we're just going to read this out. The Safety Board is considering recommendations regarding the establishment or rejuvenation of the airline pilot's professional standards, committees, and a review of the existing pilot-dispatcher relationship. When these recommendations are approved, they will be published separately. So again, it doesn't really read like a recommendation, because it's not what it is is a very holistic philosophical change that they're looking for in the industry about pilot dispatcher relationship and also CRM which is very indirectly stated here when they say rejuvenation of the airline pilots professional standards committees i that think would be re- that would be coming up with CRM as a whole
1: which yeah. happened well, which well, is after why after a bunch of other accidents happened
2: due to i i didn't right, say did. how or when i'm just saying it did which
0: is why there's actually no separate document or any actual recommendations tied to this accident beyond this, this exact point, because eventually they did a holistic change to the industry. They changed how dispatch works. They changed how CRM exists, for one, but also professional standards, period, as a pilot. And that was all done to the industry, not because of this accident. There was a series of things, of course, that happened, and we've talked about so many of them that it's tireless and it's pointless to point to any one single accident at the time to place that. So they didn't ever place any of those recommendations on this report. It is a separate instance because it needed to happen to the industry for so many reasons. So that's what happened and that's it. That's all there is pretty short, pretty simple. I mean, really like pretty obvious what happened from the story.
2: There was
1: weather and they went that way into a mountain. That that's it. Yep. It's just not great. You know what I mean? No. It just could have been avoided.
0: It Really? Easily yes. avoidable. Really? Doing
1: what they were supposed to do. <laughs>
0: really? Really? But, I mean, again, bad decision-making in the moment. Not always bad decision-making. This crew managed to get a lot of hours being very successful pilots. Yeah,
1: but we found that even when that's the case, I find... Some pilots get too cocky, right? Like, yes. I feel like eventually this,
0: you are overconfident this, in your situation.
1: This Captain, continuation clearly.
0: Yes, continuation bias took over and a bad decision was made.
1: Yeah, because he was like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Mm. You flew them into a mountain. Right. So, no.
0: Nope. Nope.
1: No. Okay. Okay. Well, that's Texas International Airlines. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I don't yes. remember the flight. Texas never.
0: International Airlines 655.
1: 655. I never remember the flight numbers. I know. (laughs) Sometimes you do. Sometimes. uh, It depends. I think it's it's easier for you if you visually see it. If I, 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 yes, yes. I, I do remember it if I see it, but then it ruins it. (laughs) So.
0: Okay. I could look it up. Yes. I
1: have, I I have. You
0: have the technology. It's right in front of you, as a matter of fact.
1: Yes. Both things. Yes. Phone and the tablet. Yeah. But whatever. It's fine. Yep. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. And pulling through the short episode. Yep. And continuing to listen. We've had a, a huge increase in listens lately.
0: Which is great. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yes, yeah, we it do. Uh,
1: and remember, you should also check out the Patreon and give us all your money.
0: Uh, <laughs> Please just don't give us all your money. But, check it out. But and, check it out. And
1: if you're curious. If you are so inclined. Yeah, and you, and you want to help contribute, we we won't.
0: We will welcome it. It will be helpful.
1: Be mad about it.
0: Right. Anyway. Anyway. We hope you
1: have a safe and healthy week. Check out the newsletters, which are also on the website. Yep. And then feel free to also, you know, do all the stuff. Go to the merch page. Look at all the things. Do it in your cool. Do it in your cool. Get ducks. We have ducks pre signed now. So we do.
0: Won't take forever to get to you. Just say you want ducks and there will be ducks. And there will be ducks. And there's ducks a form. For yeah, Forms for that. There's a form for that on the website.
1: Yes, there is. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a safe and healthy week, and we'll catch you all next week. Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hardlandings Podcast and on Twitter at Hard Landings Pod.
2: Subscribe and leave a five-star review on the platform you are using to listen.
0: If you would like to see photos and sources for this episode, Please visit us at hardlandingspodcast.com where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions.
1: This episode was researched and written by Nick and Christy and edited by The Lovely Page. Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us plus Leo.
0: And our logo is by Naomi.
1: Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.